We're going to talk about a few different yonim here today. Parsha obviously is Parsha Veshalach. It's the, the Hashlama in a certain degree to the Yisiyas Mitzrayim. This week's Parsha, of course, is, uh, it features Kriyas Yamsev. Now, so, Agav, just interesting, just as you should just know, it's a big machlekas in Mepharshim, whether or not, if I'll say on, on Pesach night, of course we have to talk about Yisiyas Mitzrayim. But if you just spoke about Kriyas Yamsev without speaking about the Makkas that happened in Mitzrayim, are you Yotzi the Mitzvah of Haggadah's Sipor Yisiyas Mitzrayim? Are you or you're not? So it's Mashmah from the Rambam that actually we're not Yotzi. Because Kriyas Yamsev is a separate entity unto itself. There's the entity of leaving Mitzrayim, and then there's the entity of also Kriyas Yamsev, which of course doesn't mean Chasashon, one's less or one's more. It just means what in terms is like the hash. In a sense, the Kriyas Yamsev, although is for sure at least the Hashlama, the full fruition of the entire Sipor Yisiyas Mitzrayim. I've happened prior to that point. We do mention it in it, but it's not necessarily a kiyum of the story. It's for sure we mentioned, of course, there's a nisim, but it's not, when we're talking about if you wanted to makayim just the story of Yisrael Mitzrayim, oh. but this is like this. Parshat B'Shalach, of course, HaKash Baruch Hu, finally, after bringing the Tamakis, Paro finally, finally acquiesces. And uh, oh, he finally sends him out. Of course, leads Klal Yisrael into the Midbar with an Anan Eish, with an Anan also. It never left. Klal Yisrael was guided by this that Akash Baruch Hu led Klal Yisrael. So they're in a certain sense, they're right now, their encampment, their encampment is set up by the Yam. Now what happens? You see that they're stuck. They're in a precarious situation. Decides, let's go get them. Let's go get them back. He collects, what does he do? He collects. He brings together all the, the different military aged men. At that point, Hashem's Machazik is hard. He runs after Kal Yisrael. So they finally reach the encampment of the Jewish people. Ufara Hikrivi so Bnei Israel, he gets closer and closer to the encampment. The so Bnei Israel say name. Klai Israel looks up and he sees the impending army of Paroi. You see here that Mitzrayim is running and chasing after Klai Israel. That's very interesting to know. If you read the Psukim, it says Vihine Mitzrayim Noisea Acharei. We were just learning about uh, grammar and diktok. Is Noisea Lashen Rabbim or Lashen Yachid? Is it plural or is it singular? Plural. Singular. Mm-hmm. Noisea. It should be Nasu. They were running after. Of course, we're talking about Sheish Moesrach. He's literally within a huge impending army. And yet the Pasik refers to Mitzrayim as a Lashen Yachid, not Lashen Rabbim. So Rashi says a Pshad of you. Rashi says, Noisea Chareim. Something that should, should tickle our ears the minute we hear it. Noisea Chareim. That the Mitzrayim were running after Klal Yisrael with one heart, like one man. Doesn't that sound a little slightly interesting to something we know previously, that we know something a little bit later on? 
Klal Yisrael and Parshas Yisrael in Merkabel Torah. It says Vayichan Lashon Yachid Vayichan. It should say Vayachanu Vayichan Shem Kenegad Ahar that they were there up opposite the mountain. Rashi says over there Vayichan Shem that they encamped there. Lashon Yachid Keish Echad No Elevechad. That's literally the inverse of what we're talking about here. What's Pshat? Why is the Medrash? Because Rashi is quoting from a Medrash from. I forget specifically where the exact Medrash is. But why is it that the, the Chazal is using this terminology, this, this, this uh, imagery, and directly borrowing from later on by Claudius or by Kabbalah Satoya? And not only that, it takes the same imagery, but it flips it around. What's the difference? What's the difference between a Ki'ishachad B'Levechad, which is by Kabbalah Satoya, and B'Levechad Ki'ishachad, when it comes to the Mitzvah running after Claudius? It's a rhetorical question. If you think about it, you know, the Chazal... And the, more specifically, the, the Torah, when he uses the Lashen, Lev, what is it referring to? It refers to the mind. It refers to the machshavas of a person. Rabbis machshavas where? Belev ish. That's Sashem Yisrael. Rabbis machshavas belev ish. Lev refers to the mind, our opinions, our attitude, how we view things, how we look at the world. What, what Chazal is saying over here is that when the Mitzvah were running after Kali Yisrael, the what brought them and united them together was through the prism of Belevechad Ki'ishechad. It's saying something about their concept of achdus, their concept of unity. And it tells you something very specifically about the Jewish concept of unity as well. We'll talk about that in a second. By the Mitzvah running after Kali Yisrael, what, what brings Goyim together? If you think about it. What brings a Goyim together? Sometimes it's a common shared DNA. Sometimes it's, uh, yeah, sometimes it's, it's the fact they come from a similar tribe, they all got together, they decided they're going to beat up this particular group. What defines a goy in its essence, or the concept of achdus, is purely to do with whether I agree with you or not. Do we have a shared agenda or not? Do I agree with you or not? Are you with me? Yeah, if you're not, then you're out of here. The Levichal Kishachah tells you about the goy when they have the concept of achdus, of, of banding together and coming with a particular matara. That's not a Jewish idea. That's not a Jewish concept. Because what do we have? When it says by Kabbalah Satorah, it says, it says Like one man, like one heart. Which means that the, the way that we first look at each other, that, we're his, that we have his achdus together, is through the fact that you're a human being. That you're a B'tzel Melakim. Memelo, once I see your B'tzel Melakim, then, then we can have discussions about B'levachad. Whether we agree with each other or not, whether we share the same opinions. But it always has to be built on the foundation that we are a shared Person, we are shared neshama together. We're chelik lekamimal. That's why the Jews have a, have a, they, you know what the chasur shalom lehavdin of efoyis. You mach but the the, the anti semites say about the Jewish people that we are the, the the we're the international Jew because you can have a Jew in Belgium, you can have a Jew in Florida, you can have a Jew in Venezuela, you can have a Jew in in Timbuktu. There's a certain shared commonality between us, no matter where you are, no matter where you are. Ayid is always interconnected with one one to the next. Because what binds us together is something beyond just with a shared, shared common purpose. We see that right now during this, the, the war in Israel. The world is coming together. The Jewish world is coming together because we have a shared purpose. Not just for the shared purpose because there's something inherently which binds us together but merely we have a shared purpose. Here, it's the fact that we feel that connection is what then causes us to then bind together. There's many Jews right now who are not necessarily religious, who are not necessarily traditional. So the, the idea is you, have a, you could have that there's a... Tons and tons of people who are not necessarily religious, and yet they feel a bound connection, a bound destiny together, despite the fact, I mean, a lot of people say, well, you know, I, I, I thought I disagreed with ideas, or I thought I wasn't so traditional, but 
I'm starting to feel a strong Jewish connection, a strong Jewish relationship. I have an aunt who is unfortunately a beautiful, amazing person, tremendous Baal's Chesed, not married to a Jew, not necessarily so religious. But the war has really inspired her to really, really want to connect her to Judaism. It's beautiful. It's a mamish beautiful thing. It's a beautiful thing. That's Achtas of Klai Yisrael. The, the Achtas of Klai Yisrael is a deeper, deeper connection. Because ultimately, what truly binds us together is the fact that we're at Tzamelakim. As opposed to a Goy, the Goy looks at it, Do you agree with me? Okay, then, you're, then I view you as a person. That's not what Klai Yisrael looks at. Then later, Klai Yisrael, of course, they see the impending army, as you said before, became very scared. They started screaming out to HaKadosh Baruch Hu. They turned to Moshe. This is very intense. Are there no cemeteries? There's no holes to be, dig, to be dug in Mitzrayim? They have to take us out here to kill us? What do you do to us? What do you do to us? You put us into literal, full-on danger. You're killing us. What's wrong with you? It's very intense with Klai Yisrael speaking. This is very, very, very heavy stuff. We told you, leave us alone. It's better for us to be servants in Mitzrayim than take us out of the Midbar and kill us. And keep in mind, this is a Jewish people, this is a nation that has already seen how many, how many tremendous miracles. Miracles of every single second. Within each miracle was a miracle unto itself. That the water was only for was only for the yid, but not for the mitzvah. They're, they're, they're seeing so many layers upon layers of miracles, and they're here in a state of distress, and they're screaming out to Hakadosh Baruch Hu, screaming to Hakadosh Baruch Hu. I shouldn't say, or I would even say even more, they're screaming at Hakadosh Baruch Hu. It's very intense. But what does Moshe do? Of course, Baruch Hashem is the the Rebbe of Klal don't be scared. stand up. You're going to see God is going to take care of us. He's going to save us. Atem. Right? He says like this. You're not going to see them ever again. Don't worry. Hashem's going to take care of them. Hashem's going to fight your battles and all you have to do is stay silent. Don't worry about it. Then it says the Pasuk, next Pasuk it says, Why are you screaming out to me? So Rashi tells him, well, why, why not? Right, Rashi says, Lamanu, we see from here, that Moshe Rabbeinu was davening to HaKadosh Baruch and Hashem said, why are you davening? Right now is not the time to pray. It's not the time to start praying long prayers. Because Klai Yisrael is in danger now. And to, instead, tell them, Tell them to just journey for it, to jump in. Like as we know, Naksha ben Aminadav and other Klal Yisrael, they jumped in and they had faith that HaKadosh Baruch Hu was going to open it up. The question is, why is Hashem in a sense upset or, or frustrated with Moshe Rabbeinu that he's davening? I mean, isn't this the natural response that a person in a, play, in a time of distress is to daven? I mean, there's a famous machlek as Rambam and Ramban. The Rambam and Ramban, they argue as to exactly what is the obligation of tefillah? What is the obligation of prayer? Is prayer, is tefillah, a din da'araisa? Isn't to say you're chayv every single day? That's the sheet of the Rambam. Or no, says the Ramban, it's only a chiyuv when you're in a state of distress. According to the Ramban, technically, according to the letter of the law, there's no chiyuv to pray. Of course, we pray because the chazal was mechayv us anyway. But 
there's no chiyav da'araisa to pray. The only time that mid da'araisa you're chiyav to pray is only when you're in danger. It's only based tzar. But what are we talking about in a situation now? What's the situation we're talking about now? Are they in danger or not? Yeah, they're in danger. So both the Rambam and both the Rambam, they would both inherently agree that the nature and the obligation to pray is of course 100% binding here. And yet Hashem says, why are you praying to me? Why is it that Kosh Baruch is saying to Moshe, don't pray to me right now? Seemingly, that should be the natural response. What's going on over here? So, for a long time, I'll tell you a very personal personal about myself. My wife and I, we waited several years before we had kids. I'm sure maybe other people here, either themselves went through that process, other people. It's very, very hard. It's very, very hard for a lot of people that go through that, that experience. And then, you know, I always say, it's not, you know, let's say if it's one year. It's not one year, it's 12 months, right? Times four, it's a, that's a, it can be a very intense experience for some people. It can feel very, very just exhausting and emotionally draining. It's a very tough experience. But I remember one month, specifically, my wife and I, we, we did a lot of ashtablas, tremendous amounts of ashtablas. We, we gave stuff to here, we dive in here, we went to this doctor, we did all forms of ashtablas possible. And we felt very good about it. We felt like, okay, this is gonna be the month. And we, one of the things you struggle with is that you have to always keep your, your expectations at a, a certain static level because if you get too high, you fall down very low. If you get too low, you just become a very jaded person. You always want to keep yourself middle. But we felt like, no, like we didn't want to lose that sense of excitement, that sense of appreciation. So we, like, we really got very excited one night. And I remember after my wife went to, to the doctor to get the blood test, and we got the results back, and ultimately my wife was not, uh, was not expecting. I can't tell you the emotion and the pain that came out of me. I was, I'm telling you, I went to a room by myself, my wife I think was at work, and she told me that, and I, and I went to the private room by myself, and I just started screaming at Hashem. I started yelling at him. I want to start a family, I want to have children, You're, why are you stopping me from doing this? Why is it really, just intense feelings that I never, I don't know where they came from. I don't know, I have no idea where they came from. And, and I'm embarrassed to say, I'm embarrassed to say that the things that I said were not nice. Put it like that. Speaking directly to Hashem, so this and that, why you, all this anger and frustration that just came pouring out of me. And for years, I felt so incredibly embarrassed, frustrated at myself. Very, very frustrated because you have that, you don't want to talk that way. I consider myself to be a Maimon. I believe myself to be a believer in Hashem. Thank you so much. I believe myself, I, I think I'm, uh, I hope to be like a, a little bit of a believer and yet like that's what's coming out of me when I'm frustrated. I feel very hard. Until I came across a Sferna in this week's Pasha. That, that means you are a believer. Oh, that's what you oh, oh, oh. So come, until I came to a Sferna in this week's Pasha. The Sferna says something mamish amazing. Because he, in a sense, he wants to answer this question we, that we left off with. He says the Sferna something amazing. Because the truth is, why is it Hashem is upset at Moshe? Why are you, like, why not that? Of course the Dab. So says the Sferna, I'm now. The reason why Moshe Rabbeinu was crying out to Hashem and davening was not because of a sense of fear from the soldiers or from the army that of Paro coming. It was on the fact that he heard that the leaders of the, of the Jewish people, the Jewish people, when they were crying out, that they had such chutzpah to say, that God, there's no... There's no, there's no holes to, to drop us in in Mitzrayim. We have to kill us out in the Midbar. When Moshe Rabbeinu heard that, Choshav, Bishvil Zed, the fact they could reach such a low level and screaming out in such a, in such a disrespectful way to Hashem, Shalom Yishmu Lo Yam, that even if I would tell Claudius Yisrael to go into the Yam, 
they wouldn't listen to me. Because look at them, listen to what they're saying. They're, they're speaking Kfira. They're speaking against Hashem. That's what Moshe thought. Therefore, why are you screaming out to me at that state? Why are you davening for Klal Yisrael to help them that like almost you're scared they're not going to listen to you? You're completely misjudging the Jewish people. Yeah, they're screaming at him pain. Yeah, they're saying things that they don't want to say. But that's not who they are. That's not their essence. That's not, don't be distracted by the outer external uh, shrieking and screaming, screaming out. Understand that inherently within them, they're Mamash Bali Amuna. They want to listen to you. They're going to listen to you even better. It's an amazing thing. Claudius Yisrael themselves reached a state of feeling total disconnection and rejection of Hashem. And yet Hashem says, at that very moment, I see Dafka a connection. Exactly what Tzachos was saying. That Dafka, by the fact that by the screaming out, is the biggest sign. It's the biggest proof that they're the highest, deepest connection. I know it's a very funny to see it that way, but it's true. Because they know who the address is to send to. I mean, they say, I think it was Hassan Rav said, that for people that left Yiddishkeit after the war, after the Holocaust, and like just rejected Judaism, but they rejected it out of a hatred, in a sense, towards Hashem, they said they're deep, deep down the biggest Bali Amuna. Of course, they went through a very difficult scenario, and whether or not they show, who's, who are we to judge? But to, to come out of there and to have the anger and the frustration because there is someone to be angry to, that means that they believe. That means that they have a Amuna. Now, specifically, just to take it practically, this is a very important lesson for someone who's a parent, someone who's a spouse, someone who's a teacher, who's going to be a teacher, Mir Sashem. You're going to be encountering a lot of types of just reactions. People that scream out things they don't want to say, talk in a certain way they, don't, they shouldn't be talking like. You have to understand that there's underneath there's something over here. It's a challenge. It's not easy. Believe me, it's not easy. I'm a human being, just like anybody else. It's very hard to be, not be distracted by it. But when you go through those emotions, you go through, God forbid, fights in Shalom Bayis, parents with Shalom Bayis with kids, you know, Tzarek Yidol and raising children, all different elements. When a child or a spouse or a, or a friend or something is screaming out, it's because there's something underneath that taina. There's something underneath it. If they, didn't really, if they didn't care about you, they wouldn't talk to you. Now again, does it mean they should be talking about you? No. Uh, me, I don't think Klai should have talked like this, but who am I to say what I would, what I would have done in that situation? So no one's saying objectively it's okay. But it means you don't get distracted because the truth is Hashem doesn't get distracted by it. Hashem knows the deep, deep MS, which is Hashem is saying to us, and it's something fascinating and amazing, that even though you yourself may lose confidence in yourself, the Akash Baruch doesn't lose confidence in you. Hashem does not give, you, give up on you. Hashem sees duch duch the MS. She sees deep, deep down. That's what Akash Baruch sees. The Svarna is like mind-blowing. When I saw that Svarna, I said, ah. Again, it doesn't mean I should have reacted that way. And there's a lot to work on ourselves. But I said, ah, I understand. I see HaKadosh Baruch Hu didn't lose faith in me. HaKadosh Baruch Hu didn't lose his connection to me. And I, Imer I'm trying to retain that connection that I have with him. Understanding the deep, deep level. Seeing beyond the external and seeing deeper on the deeper level. So Imer Hashem this is a very big nakuda to work on. It's not Pasha at all in any way, shape, or form. But it should be Mitchazik us that when we hear things, we see things, even when we respond ourselves, understand that the Baruch is not giving up on you. Okay? Imer Hashem Have a wonderful Shabbos Kodesh. All the best. Amen.